Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Closing bell. Well, what a segue to a quick recap of how we started the day. Well, Singapore shares started the morning in the positive territory, falling overnight gains in the US and Europe. So in early trade, the Straits Times Index was up 0.2% at 3,280 points as nearly 45 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Now let's take a look at the closing numbers, the benchmark Straits Times Index, though, it closed in the red. It's down 0.03%. We are looking at 3,274 points. In terms of value turnover, that's 968 million Sing dollars. Now, gainers outnumbered losers, though, 303 versus 261. Top advances for today, Isetan, Capital Core and City Developments Limited. And top decliners, Jardin Cycle and Carriage, GMHUSD and Venture Core. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have Capital Core because the company said uh, that its private funds acquired the Bank of Korea's Sogong Annex facility, which is located in Seoul's central business district. And this brings Capital Core's portfolio in South Korea to 2.6 trillion won or around 2.6 billion Sing dollars. Now, meanwhile, from China relaxing a cross-border financing rule to Apple testing Apple GPT and Netflix missing quarterly revenue forecasts. We've got more international headlines for you. And joining us on the line is uh, Terence Wong, CEO at Sure Capital. Terence, welcome to the show. Hey, Tian Hi, guys. Great to have you on board with us. And let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How did the STI fare today? Well, as you mentioned just now, down 0.03%. It's almost like today never happened, right? Uh, I look at the gainers and losers. It's an uninspiring. The numbers are just simply uninspiring. Yeah. I mean, largely within that 1%, plus minus 1% uh, range. And it's probably weak because, you know, if if we were to try to eke out and force ourselves to find any reasons, it's because of uh, PBOC not lowering the one and five year prime rate in China. Mm. Um, and if you look at the regional markets, what I'm doing right now, uh, China is down. Uh, Hong Kong is also down, but also very slightly, 0.13%. Terence, is there any surprise then that today never happened, in your words? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm looking at the top five guys right now. Um, three of them. Oil and gas place, Citria, Marco Polo, as well as Yang Zijiang. Um, and looking at the top 30, more of these guys, more of the oil and gas guys are hogging uh, the top volume. Uh, even again, I, I'm looking at oil prices. It's, I mean, it's gone up marginally higher, but we're still below that key $80 barrel mark. So um, I, I guess it's just rotational place. And since it's so boring, uh, they're probably trying to find some reason you know, to grease the market a little. Uh, Terence Keppel Corp uh, said the firm uh, private uh, funds acquired the Bank of Korea's Sogong Annex facility, and this move brings uh, Keppel Corp's South Korean portfolio now to 2.6 trillion won. That's about 2.5, 2.6 billion uh, Sing dollars. Is this uh, very significant in your opinion? Well, um, I, I think you have to take a step back and look at what Keppel has been doing and the plans. Uh, in early May, Keppel Corp announced the next phase of its Vision 2030, you know, where it plans to drive its transformation into becoming a global alternative asset manager. Instead of being it just merely a conglomerate, uh, it wants to move into the fund management business. And, it, and the, the targets were simply ambitious. Or, or 
or to the layman, it will look really, really big. Uh, the current AUM is about $50 billion. They want to double that up uh, to $100 billion. And uh, the cumulative asset monetization target uh, currently, uh, I think it's 3 to $5 billion, mm. uh, range. Uh, they want to bring it up to 10 to $12 billion. So really, really ambitious. And with this Korean acquisition, I think it moves them a step closer. It's closed over 1.5. Capo will have closed over 1.5 billion dollars worth of deals in South Korea since 2020, uh, 2021. And uh, this, like I said, uh, there's a gap between what the uh, group hopes the market will see them as. Uh, currently, I think uh, as it's transforming, uh, the market is increasingly looking at them at uh, being a fund management platform, which is positive mm. uh, as it moves towards, uh, you know, ra- rather than uh, being a conglomerate where they have to look at the total assets and, and then apply a discount on it. Right now, they can look at uh, the, the recurring earnings that they have from the fund management business and then apply a PE towards it. And, and this, I believe, will be very beneficial to shareholders. Mm. And Terence, let's take a look at what's happening around the world. We've got, as you mentioned, China keeping lending benchmarks unchanged uh, today, specifically the one-year and the five-year loan prime rates. Now, at the same time, the Chinese Central Bank and Foreign Exchange Regulator announced a relaxing of the cross-border financing rule. Uh, now, the question is, is this as much as what the Chinese authorities are going to give already? Uh, can we expect more going forward? I, I think it's what has you know, really been discussed in previous weeks, China economy is weak mm. uh, and it's in need of uh, stimulus, yep. albeit not a huge scale one as the government is well aware that, you know, if they were to do something like that, uh, there will be a propensity or a possibility of a property bubble mm. or, or reunite a new wave of, you know, credit field growth. Uh, government has uh, thus far lower rates for certain benchmark. Uh, interest rates and indulge in the more industry-specific measures to revive the economy. Um, this conservative approach uh, could be seen at odds with what the market wants right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're hoping that uh, there will be some form of a stimulus measures. I, I mean, not the 2009 uh, sort yeah. where you know they poured four trillion dollars mm-hmm. into to, to kickstart it. Uh, uh, after uh, the global financial crisis. So for this cross-border financing rule you've been talking about, uh, this is one of those targeted measures mm. with the revision to one... Uh, I, I think I think yeah. uh, with more of these uh, targeted measures, uh, they will be uh, actually taking on a more measured approach. Mm. Uh, and on the whole, I'll be... Uh, I think expecting uh, yeah. this week, second quarter, 2023 economic data to open room for stronger than expected stimulus measures Ooh. before or after the Politburo meeting uh, okay. in, in July. And in the meantime, we talked about injecting money. Alibaba Group is injecting or has injected 845 million US dollars into its Southeast Asia unit. We're talking about Lazada here. What are the possible reasons for that, in your opinion? And to what extent does that position Lazada for a US IPO in in the near future? Well, I think uh, this is jump change to them. It's really nothing mm. new. In fact, yeah. uh, Alibaba has thus far been pumping on average close to $2 billion, yeah. uh, into the com- into the company every year. Since 2018, uh, they've invested over $8 billion in Lazada, mm. which has been competing fiercely with Shopee. Mm. And uh, 
while competition is one thing, the other should be, uh, I think investors should be mindful of is that uh, e-commerce scene in China itself is maturing. So they're actually targeting or they're, they're looking at some of the international uh, cross-border mm. investments to do more for the business. Uh, so I think uh, it's a key part and uh, they will probably want to solidify its presence uh, in Southeast Asia. Mm. If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. And further in the US, uh, Terence, the second quarter earnings season is well underway. Netflix quarterly revenue in particular missed forecasts shares down, I think, nearly 9% in after-hours trade. What does this suggest about the limitations uh, that Netflix have in cracking down on password sharing as well as its ability to monetize production? Well, to be fair to Netflix, I mean, it's year to date performance uh, has been very stellar. That's before the earnings release, right? It climbed mm. over 50%. Uh, and if you look at all forms, uh, whether it's revenue, profit, subscri- subscriber growth, uh, they've done well. Mm. Uh, so this new set of results actually showed that even as revenue fell short, expectations, uh, uh, these actually variables have continued to, to improve. Uh, Netflix reported strong Q2 subscriber growth, mm. additional 5.9 million customers, uh, bringing its total to what, over 230, 240 million, give and take, right? Uh, so initiatives such as uh, cracking down uh, password sharing and launching a cheaper ad support tier you know, have helped to attract new subscribers. And I, th- I think going ahead, they still should still, you know, stick to this, uh, you know, cracking down the password sharing. Because uh, I, I think that, you know, only when it sort of like consolidates its business, will uh, revenue, would, would it like sort of like uh, solidify its revenue base? And, and I think that, you know, in the next few quarters, it should show results. And while everyone is shouting about AI, chat, GPT, supercomputers, uh, Terrence, Apple is quietly really behind the scenes working on AI tools to challenge uh, those of OpenAI, uh, Alphabet's Google and others. Uh, it seems like Apple is concerned about how generative AI could transform how people interact with phones, computers and other technology. The question is, what will Apple GPT look like? Uh, just a guess at this point in time also, how powerful can Apple get in terms of size or market cap with this AI tool that changed the way we interact with our devices? Well, I'm, I'm sure if it's cloud, right? it's financial cloud as well as uh, uh, engineering strength, uh, it should be very, very significant. It should be very powerful. And companies like Google, Microsoft, Meta, uh, they have moved quickly to release these uh, generative AI products. Mm. Uh, Apple, Apple has been somewhat muted, like you mentioned, you know, and yeah. although the, the tech giant has uh, released uh, AI features across its products and apps for years, um, it, it seems like they are trying to do a little bit of catch-up when it comes to generative AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, my understanding is that companies' chatbot is similar to Bard, you know, ChatGPT, yeah. uh, being, uh, as it doesn't feature any additional features that mm-hmm. separates it from what's currently commercially available. Uh, but it's my belief that, you know, Apple will be looking to you know, different, uh, like certain niche or differentiation factor that will take, the, take some attention away from, from these uh, fools first movers. Uh, as to how big mm. it potentially could be, uh, really, I, 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 I yeah. cannot uh, quantify, I but, yeah. but I think, I, like I said uh, at the start, uh, it will be big. And I, I mm. think that they have shown, you know, with multiple products over the years that they could 
do something and it could change the world. ChatGPT itself has changed the world. It, it has been, uh, it's probably one of the most significant uh, kind of invention over the last, you know, I, mm. I, and I think it's a generational shift. Yeah. So, and, and Apple having been so successful with so many products, I, I think that it's going to look very, it's going to, uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. Mm, I can't, can't imagine it's been just, what, uh, 13, 15 years ago then when we were still using flip phones. Uh, can't imagine how the world would change. So uh, thanks a lot, Terence, for that. That was Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Thanks, Tian Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.